Hi, I'm Vivek Kartha, and welcome to Deconstructed. Every episode, we're discussing the future of the world's largest asset class, real estate, through the eyes of the people who live and breathe it. Thank you for joining us, and let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Workspace. Workspace has built a better way to manage real estate without all the clicks. With a suite of modern, intuitive products for commercial real estate operators, Workspace reduces the friction between assets, data, and people, allowing CRE professionals to streamline all their daily operations across property management, asset management, and beyond. Learn more at www.goworkspace.com. We're here today with Brian McLaurin, who in full disclosure is one of the advisory board members for Workspace. Brian has a long history of sales in the commercial real estate software space with Argus in the early days, all the way through to being a VP of sales at MRI. So delighted to have Brian on here to tell us a little bit about his experience and thoughts of where the industry is headed. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Brian, let's get right into it. Um, You've got a long track record of selling, partnering with, creating solutions for decision makers in this industry. But as you step back and just think about all of the tumultuous things that have happened in commercial real estate over the last year, help our audience just see a little bit of a window into how you're thinking about everything beyond the headlines that everyone's seeing. We've all experienced something that we never expected to experience, right? When you, you're here 100 years, right? We haven't had something like this in 100 years. It's new. Everyone had to really think about everything differently. So and when I look at it, I see challenges. I see opportunities. I see you know, the ability to be more interconnected through technology and you know, through people and communication versus spaces. And I think, you know, we were before the pandemic, it was really about spaces, right? The class A building and how much nicer the lobby is and you know, is it more attractive to a tenant? But I think now it's it's changed to what can we do to be more attractive to a tenant in the things that the tenant probably cares more about anyway. Uh, so I think it's it's really created more of a customer focused uh, situation, which is always good for everyone. I want to pick up on something you said there and maybe thinking about it in light of prior crises and recessions, 2008 comes to mind and this transition from space focus to customer focus. When you think about selling into the, the commercial real estate industry in 2009 and 2010, after everything that happened there, how does this feel similar and how does it feel different? I think it feels different in that this time around, I think companies were in a stronger financial position. At the beginning of this situation, um, I think companies were more financially stable to sustain a change. And while the the, the bottom fell out similarly, it, it, I think companies were, they were better financially positioned. I think also the debt markets are a little bit different this time. There was so much panic in 2008-9 because I think the debt market realized a lot of that was their fault. <laughs> so it went to a, a complete stop 
in the debt market. Whereas now, this time around, it, it felt like the debt markets were more liquid. There were still opportunities for funding. It, it became more of a, do you want to take the risk to do it? Not, you can't do it because there is no funding. I think also what's different is rent collections are, while they're definitely a challenge right now, they're far more healthy than they were then. I think you know back in you know those days, the bottom fell out so quickly. There were so many tenants who went from flourishing to closed in such a short time that it was just tremendously difficult to collect rent. Now, I think people are smarter with their leases, uh, but I think there are also some pretty creative incentives that have been put in place and some concessions within these leases to try to keep people operating, even if they're operating at you know, 20, 25, 30, 40%, they're still operating rather than closed. And then obviously the biggest difference is people can work more remotely now. I think people were, were more prepared now to have remote workforces. Uh, I think technology has given us the opportunity uh, to conduct business virtually. If you think about, you know, 2007, 8, 9, there weren't many people doing virtual tours of properties. You, know, you couldn't put on a, a VR unit and walk through the property and, and still make property decisions. Um, now, with that technology, you can do those things. You know, communicating without shaking hands and you know picking up the same ink pen to sign a, a contract, you don't have to deal with those things. So I think those things are, are very, very different uh, in terms of day-to-day operations. Some of the things that feel familiar are, you know, banks are, the lenders are, they're still, they're still more worried, right? So the, the markets are contracted. It's not as easy uh, to, to fund properties and, and, and acquisitions, dispositions. But there are still positives, you know, again, with, with more tenants in place, there are more options. Uh, I certainly haven't seen as many foreclosures. Um, but I do see technology budgets that are, are contracting, which is something we saw a lot of uh, in those days. Um, all of a sudden, technology was uh, far less important. And as a technology vendor, as a, a sales leader, it, it was tough to you know people that were uh, one month expanding and, and acquiring properties are now calling you saying, hey, I've got 50% too many licenses for this software. You know, what can we do about it? Uh, I certainly think that some of that is, is still happening here this time, which seems awfully familiar. You've got decades. It's, you know, it's hard to imagine the industry without Argus, without MRI and what it is. And you've been a part of both of those stories. I want to dig in a little bit more on this technology piece. And maybe we just start with for leaders in commercial real estate today, potential buyers and decision makers regarding technology. What do you think they need to see, hear, understand about the next wave of tech to to be bought in? I think something we hear a lot of is technology is coming, real estate is a laggard, it's time. And we wait one year, two years, three years, and a lot of it feels the same. Is it time? Or do you think this is just round the merry-go-round again? 
<laughs> I would love for it to be time because as you mentioned, one, two, three years and it feels the same. Uh, it still feels the same to me like it did in 1999. Uh, we were saying the same thing. It's, you know, Y2K's coming. It's, it's time. Uh, so the industry certainly still has a tremendous amount of space to expand from a technology standpoint and to get up to speed with some other industries in terms of how quickly technology moves and advancements are made. But I think, and I have continued to say throughout the years that this industry, meaning commercial real estate and its you know, partner in commercial real estate technology moves very much like a herd. So it takes the right sort of leaders in the pack to veer off in a direction that then will quickly be followed. And I think that's where, you know, the the vision of, you know, that next hole, I may hit a hole, a hole in one, right? It's the reason why I come back to golf, right? Is that that's that's what we continue to push for as these tech companies continue to build and develop and, and to try to influence change. I think what leaders and decision makers at these companies need to understand is in order for significant change to occur, they need to be willing to be one of those leaders in the pack and, you know, go off into a direction that may not be as familiar, but may very well be far more beneficial for their business. Yeah. Quick follow up on that. Why do you think commercial real estate has some of those characteristics, that sort of herd-like mentality and a little bit of a more difficult time adopting tech? It's really because of the numbers, right? I mean, these the prop tech industry supports a lot of financials, right? I mean, these these assets are tremendously valuable. They are, they play a tremendous part in many not only you know executive and employees' lives, but also their clients and investors. And there's there's this, there's so much that is involved in these financial solutions especially that it's it's a scary prospect to you know feel like what if i i change my technology vendor and the valuations on my assets change or i have to go through such a tremendous undertaking of reconciliation in order to be sure that my numbers won't change, right? And I have to answer a, a lot of questions to a lot of people. So I think there's just this hesitancy there because of that. Uh, and it's also, it's a transactional world. So it is as much as I would like to utilize this fantastic solution, if, if my transaction partner doesn't recognize it, then and there may be a problem. You know, so there has to be some cohesion and acceptance of multiple solutions. You know, I when we started in this business or when I started in this business back in the late 90s, you know, there were a whole slew of consulting firms who did nothing but convert data from one product to another product because people accepted so many different forms of, of technology that, you know, whichever you wanted to use was fine. We would just get one of these consultants to convert it for us. And, you know, by the time we get it, the numbers are the same. It's just in a different format and everyone keeps going. But when you look around the industry now, that whole segment of the industry is just really gone. 
And that creates a challenge in terms of switching products because it's, it's um, you know, who's going to do the work, who's going to reconcile, and, and now how long does it take to train and productivity and that sort of thing. The graveyard of commercial real estate tech, prop tech, as you said, is, is pretty big. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of those flameouts over the years and you've been a part of some of the winners. If you're giving advice to the decision makers and buyers in the space today, something I often hear is there's a big gap between what's practical today and what's visionary tomorrow. And, it, and there's a lot of buyer's remorse or potential buyer's remorse on making a decision on something that's uncertain, that's new. How would you give advice to those decision makers and buyers when they're thinking about the wide breadth and landscape of tech that's available to them today? I think it's it's like anything else. You you have to really do your due diligence and understand where it is you want to go as a business and then make the decision as to whether or not these potentially viable solutions align with your business model. Um, I think where people get in trouble is where they try to let the technology guide their business model. And then when that technology fails to become adopted or just fails, then there's a problem, right? So, you know, my that would be my advice is, is to figure out where you're going and then find the solutions that promote that advancement versus you know, trying to, to fit into what may be the next new trend. Um, that will allow you to, to stay on task, you know, even if this particular product, you know, can't sustain itself, which is, is always a risk with new technology. But if it's in line with what you're doing as a business, then perhaps you'd be more in line to help invest in that particular uh, company, right? To partner with that vendor, to help that vendor continue to grow and develop so that you can continue to flourish. Last question for you, Brian. If you're thinking about younger people who are entering the world, let's say specifically of commercial real estate and CRE tech, what do you think the industry needs more of from talent? Um, you know, I think, I think what the industry needs is people with an open mind and a desire to understand cross-functionally how this industry works. Um, you know, from, from my, my early days in this business of flying around the world and teaching people how to use, you know, Argus, for example, you know, it, it always astonished me that people who understood the brokerage valuation side of it had no idea about the, you know, the the property management side of it or or the you know, receivable side of it. You, you don't want to be an expert in everything, but I think people who have the vision to really want to understand the industry, how it fits together, will be most successful in whichever part of the industry uh, that they end up working in. We re really just need people who are you know, accepting, obviously, of technology, willing to pivot and have a, a ingrained nature to want to understand how things work, not just push things from one pile to another. That's a great lesson. Quick one on our way out. I see that you look to be in a nice, bright office. I am working in a dark, murky home setup. Death of office, something I hear about all the time. 
which side of the debate are you on? Uh, I, I'm in the middle. I, I'm on the the versatility debate. Um, but again, you know, I've I've been working flexible, like you know, from home since the early 2000s. You know, back when it was a, a rarity. So I really think that what COVID has done is shown people that productivity looks and feels differently than we thought it did. So I'm personally, I, I like uh, to bounce back and forth. You know, sometimes an office environment is more functional and, and you can get more done. Other times being in an office is, is it's a lag, you know, too many distractions and, you know, too much time wasted in traffic, right? So I think the lesson to be learned is, is it possible for your staff to be productive in the way that they feel they can be most productive versus, you know, putting people in a box of productivity looks like this? Because I would venture to say there are many, many people who have who have determined that they can be far more productive in the environment they've been in in the last year than the environment they were in previously. So I, I fall in the middle. I think you should give the people the flexibility to do what works best because you'll probably find they'll be more productive and more happy. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. And as always, a very special thank you to our guests. We'll be back soon. So please subscribe to Deconstructed on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. More details can be found at www.goworkspace.com forward slash podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Workspace. Workspace has built a better way to manage real estate without all the clicks. With a suite of modern, intuitive products for commercial real estate operators, Workspace reduces the friction between assets, data, and people, allowing CRE professionals to streamline all their daily operations across property management, asset management, and beyond. Learn more at www.goworkspace.com.